0: So, God, that's our prayer tonight. Lord, that as we uh, gather together in community around your word, Lord, that it will be beyond mere uh, an attempt to gain more intellectual knowledge. But, Lord, that we will get caught up in this grand circle of knowing and doing and being the kind of people that give grace, that receive grace, and are willing to do the hard work of meeting people, at the point of their deepest need while we are met at the point of our deepest need uh, by you and by the people you place in our lives so thank you for tonight Uh, we open our hearts to you in Jesus name Amen Amen
1: well we'll get started chapter 1 of Colossians remember from last week just a little we to a relative small town of Colossae. It had been a historically large town, uh, economically powerful, but as things do, uh, trade routes and things shifted. And so Colossae was kind of backwater now. Uh, industry, especially a black wool tent, has moved west uh, to Latiosia and Ephesus. Ephesus, in particular, is a very large, uh, wealthy town, and Colossae is, is kind of not even the suburbs. It's just out on the old uh, country roads, not even on the interstate anymore. Paul had never visited there, but Paul had a disciple um, named Epaphras, who had and had led this little community to Christ. So some questions are arising in this little church about how to do things. And that's a good point for us to be realistic with each other. How do you imagine this little church and Classe went to church? In homes? Yeah? What, what kind of people do you imagine they were? We can make some pretty educated guesses. They were what? I think they were poor, humble people. You know, we we do get some of that, that they're poor people, um, but that's really kind of a misnomer. Uh, Christianity was not a poor movement. How were they writing these letters? It's very expensive. Um, The times that we do get uh, sort of cross-sections of Christianity, like especially in uh, Corinth, we we see a cross-section. Uh, you see Roman patricians very 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 wealthy people you see Greek politicians you see tradespeople, and it, it works its way down now they do include former slaves women and the poor but it's only since the 1960s and the hippies um, the Jesus movement that we started making Christianity a movement of the poor and Jesus hung out with the homeless it, it's a bunch of crap um, and that's, that's a technical term from Kurt um, <laughs> Christianity is is including all kinds, um, and there is a tremendous amount of wealth that is is flowing uh, into the church. It's the way it's able to spread very, very quickly. One thing to understand about Roman culture is that as Rome transitioned from a republic to an empire, and if you remember that history, Julius Caesar and all of that, Cleopatra, all that joy, but there really was a cynicism that had developed amongst the Romans about their own religion. Now, it's not all Romans, but many upper-class Romans and Greeks are joining in this, just don't believe in the Zeus and Apollo and all of that nonsense anymore. It's just, it, it gets so bad that the first Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, tries to enforce laws to bring back piety in the traditional Roman gods because he's attaching himself to that. And yeah, most people are, eh. I mean, he, he actually has morality laws which makes me giggle, because if you know anything about the Romans, and certainly anything about the Greeks, forced morality is a joke. I mean, these people had the the moralities of alley cats, and so the Roman emperor trying to get them to behave is just laughable. But what they were tending to do was look for exotic new things. Again, back to our 1960s. What was it everybody was interested in in India? Remember, like the Beatles went to India... Hare Krishna. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Buddhism became really cool. It, the Romans, Romans are going through the same kind of thing. There's a, a bull cult out of Persia originally called the Mithras cult. And it's about a figure. And he's, he's usually... I should have brought a picture. But he's, he's usually seen as a mighty warrior slaying a bull. And he's kind of a solar god. He's a god that dies and is resurrected. And it's very much... Like a cult i mean there 's initiations and there 's secret handshakes, and they have meetings in caves with waterfalls. This stuff was so cool and fashionable in roman in rome they 're very excited about it they 're adopting these Eastern things. Um, there's an Isis cult that comes up out of Egypt and Isis begins to be worshiped in Rome. In fact, her temple at one point is bigger in Rome than it was in Egypt. And so with that comes her husband, Osiris. Again, this is another resurrection God and there's secrets and there's mysteries. The Romans are just eating all this up. So on the one hand, you can see where Christianity sort of fits into this because it's, Christianity an Eastern religion? Yes, it is. Yeah, very much an Eastern religion. It comes from Judaism. Uh, Does it have its mysteries and sort of secret initiation? You become brothers and sisters and... You take special meals together, uh, love feasts. You eat uh, bread and uh, wine together. So th- there's some similarities, but Christianity is is obviously different, and it's it's outpacing the others. But it's it's part of this cultural phenomenon that's happening. So that's that's sort of one side of it. A lot of this is going to try to influence Christianity, right? Because you're you're discovering something new, and it you know. What's the difference between a Jesus worshiper and a Mithras? At this point, they don't really don't know. If you're going to church and Colossae, how do you know what's right and wrong? What, what Bible do you read? Right. And that, that's exactly the answer. They have the Torah. So probably a lot of the church that we're talking about is Jewish that has converted to Christianity or continues their Judaism through Christ, some of it's Gentile as well. But when they gather together to worship uh, and to do things together to read and study, they have the old Testament and that's, that's it. They're doing what in a sense Jews have done for thousands of years in that there are rabbis, there are apostles that interpret the scriptures for you. And so you can come to understand Jesus through the Psalms, you can understand uh, Jesus through some of the prophecies. So that's what they're working on. But still, lots of questions. Um, Remember, the the Gospels in 50 uh, AD, maybe Mark is around, maybe. Um, We don't know that they would have had it. They really rely, like I think Jesus intended, on the old rabbinic system. An apostle and a teacher would give you the context the detail uh, there, there is no sense yet that we've got to have new books to describe what happens so when epaphras realizes they've got serious questions and we'll look at the questions tonight um, did jesus exist in heaven before he came to earth go ahead and, and answer that one real quick okay well I see you you guys are good you've had good pastors i, I commend them But it gets gets deep pretty quick. And Epaphras says, just a minute. I need to go check with my teacher. And so he goes to Ephesus and apparently has a conversation with Paul. And when Paul sends a letter back, this is like the old rabbis coming in and giving you interpretation. This is a rabbi, an apostle, as Jesus named him, um, explaining it to you. So not only is there a lot of expense, like we've talked about, to receive this letter, there's a lot of weight There's a lot of direction, uh, inspiration that's going to come out of this. So we're going to look at these two social pressures. On the one hand, you always have this sort of Eastern mystery, hey, let's do something new kind of stuff pushing on the one side, and it affects the Gentiles especially. And then the other side, you have kind of conservative uh, Jewish types that are just saying, look... Torah's Torah, Bible's Bible. Don't, don't get all crazy, honest people. You know, what God said is what God said. Let's just do that. And so there, there's tension, and Paul's trying to help them navigate all of that.
0: It, it just let the way, I mean, there's tension, and then there is tension. And that's the kind of stuff that is happening. When you're told, when, you, when you've been told, when you, your whole life, you've gone uh, through life eating bacon. And that's a staple of your diet. And then your cardiologist tells you no more bacon. How'd you take that news? New, new cardiologist. Right, ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> it, it's, so, it's the same thing. And, and, and so these Jewish people are telling the Gentile the Christians, you can't eat that anymore. And they're like, why? Well, because it says it here. Well, that's stupid. I haven't grown up with that my whole life. Right. That hasn't been that hasn't been part of my. What, what does that have to do with Jesus? And then they're at, all of a sudden they're at each other's throats, right? That's kind of the stuff we're dealing with here.
1: And we haven't even started the circum circum what, right? You, you want what? <laughs> no no. So. It's not as, like, Steve's right. It, in some churches, like uh, Corinth and Rome, I mean, it's fist fight. It's horrible. It's, it's conflict. Not, not so bad here. Paul's trying to head it off, uh, hopefully, before it, it gets bad. But he's still doing his introduction in verse 3. We always pray for you and give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, parse all that for a second with me. God the Father... And we take that as absolutely normal, but God is the Father, and then we have Lord Jesus Christ, which again we take as good Christianese. But we've added a lot there. Jesus is what Lord, and again, this will get you killed because Caesar is Lord is the phrase. Um, curios, right? Curios, yeah. Curios. Um, just the one thing that holds the Roman Empire together. Everybody's afraid of Caesar. And so if there's somebody else that's as powerful as Caesar, you got a problem. So we have Jesus' name here. It's uh, been translated into Greek. It was Yeshua. But now for Greeks, because Yeshua is too hard to say, they're coming up with Eesus, um, which we translated as Jesus. So most fundamental to him is his name has changed. So it can reach... A wider audience; they no longer are calling him, at least here, um, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. They're saying uh, Jesus or Jesus yes. Hokristos, yeah. um, Jesus the Christ. So, Christos is replaced. Uh, Mashiach. It tells us a couple of things. One, they're reading the Septuagint. And we need to get too lost in this, but this was a translation of the Old Testament in Greek uh, that had come out about the time of the Ptolemies. It's called the Septuagint, the Seventy, because according to legend, during the translation, all 70 rabbis that translated it from Hebrew into Greek agreed, and that was a miracle. Because if you know two Jews, no two agree on anything, let alone 70 of them. That's, this is the story. I'm not making it up. So it was a miracle of God that all 70 agreed. So this is in wide circulation outside of Judea, where they still, in Judea, they still read it in Hebrew. Uh, this would have been a, another difference, another change from the time of the apostles, uh, where Jesus and his disciples we can tell from their quotes. We're quoting from Hebrew. Now in Acts, as we move out in the Gentile world, even the Jews are are looking at Greek as a source. That, that's just to help us understand. You know, things things are, are changing. Um, I'm sure right after the argument of Bacon and circum what uh, we had, his name is Yeshua. No, it's not. It's Ayusus. No, it's not. It's so you, you just you got to go with it. Okay, it's okay. He continues, for we have heard that you trust Christ Jesus and that you love all of God's people. So high praise from Paul. Uh, When Paul praises you, it's serious. He doesn't do this stuff in vain. And despite some of the changes he's mentioning here, they've got the main thing important. They worship and love Jesus, and then they worship and love all people. And that may sound normal to us, because we're supposed to love people. But in the Roman world, this was very, very different. You didn't love people. Um, You might love your family. uh, You might love your station in society. uh, But you don't love people in general. Because again, remember, people is everybody from slaves, two-thirds of the population, um, up to freedmen, craftsmen, craftsmen. Sort of the lower middle class politicians, and then Romans and super elite Romans. Uh, this was revolutionary um, to say to love a slave. That's hard to love a Roman aristocrat. That's hard too. Uh, so Paul's commending them. You you got this because uh, you're loving all of them. You do this because you are looking forward to the joys of heaven. What are the joys of heaven? No. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully it's good. We we talked a lot about Ezekiel uh, from that perspective and that might have been a source of what they they hope for. But Paul's really going to develop this theme and he does it in a beautiful way. He takes very Jewish ideas and then he'll add this new twist to the end. And I think one of the reason, even with primarily Gentiles, he starts with kind of a Jewish understanding is because this is what they would have been reading in the Torah. Sure. You know, This is what they're reading every week to try to understand. So joy here is, is kind of a foundation for inheritance that we're going to get for the kingdom. But it continues, as you have been ever since you first heard the truth of the good news, the same good news that came to you Is going out to all of the world. It is changing lives everywhere, just as it changed yours. The very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. And Paul is not exaggerating. I was trying to find a way to qualify this for you. Uh, We talked about it a little last week. Christianity. Is like a cancer. Um, maybe that's a bad bad way to say it. It's like a fungus. Is that better? Virus? <laughs> <A> virus, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like corona, Point zero zero one. It's spreading incredibly fast. Even these other cults that I talked about, the Mithras cult, the ISIS cult, they were slow and steady you know they came over time we had cleopatra a couple generations after her the lysis called but not christianity it it goes it seems to find its roots in synagogues and then just explodes the ancient world did not change that much and certainly not that fast uh, you would do what your father did and be happy with it i mean think about for your grandparents or your great-great-grandparents. Things were kind of the same. Um, It was even more so in Rome, but Christianity is changing it quickly. It's changing relationships between people. Like we've talked about, you now have houses where very wealthy and very poor are calling each other brother and sister. Um, They're eating together. Uh, This is some of the conflict that we have in Corinth. Um, that the wealthy people have a big feast because that's what they do. Um, and then the poor come and there's nothing for them to eat. And the rich are thinking, why am I setting out dinner for the poor? And they have to, to reconfigure the way that they relate to each other. Um, we're we're going to dance around and eventually get to the story of Onesimus, who was a runaway slave. You know what they did to you when you were a runaway slave in Rome? Yeah, it, it it was not pretty. Actually, this is terrible, but one of the signs, I'll, I'll bring it for you next week, that we have uh, Roman slaves used to wear uh, sort of a necklace with a sign on it. And it said, if you see me, I'm a runaway. Um, You know, it's sort of like what you put on your kids' school supplies, you know, but they put it on people. So, you know, you know, if it's your slave and you see it, eh, that's fine. But if someone else sees it, oh, wait, he's run away. So it's it's just not good. But in the church, all that's changing. And Paul is going to be a big part of that in saying we should treat this slave differently. Um, Not that necessarily he can run away, but the way you interact with him is different.
0: Yeah, I want to point out one thing to you. If you'll go to the NIV translation of this uh, of uh, verse uh, six, the uh, kind of starting a few words in says, uh, "Yeah, there we go." In the same way, see that up there. So, in the same way, the gospel—good news, right? Talked a little bit about that last week. The Uan Gillion, the gospel is doing two things: it is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. And we're fixing to get into some discussions about creation. That gives us a preview. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Whenever God placed, uh, or whenever God created human, oh, what did He say to the humans? Be fruitful, and multiply, right? And so we, I think we kind of lump all that together, and we just say, "Well, that's just make more people." Well, the second part of that is make more people, but the first part of that is to be fruitful. It's like to to be fruitful. It's it's this act of receiving God's grace and receiving His invitation to join Him in partnership. It's like we are completely dependent upon God for all, right? And that is what then allows us then to grow fruit on our tree. Paul will talk about the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians, right? And that is the the fruit that grows. That fruit is not for us. That fruit that grows through us receiving grace is for others to pick off of so that they can be nourished into wholeness as well. And then that is what brings the multiplication. That is why this gospel spreads. This is the new creation. Uh, Paul is giving us a preview of that in that that phrase there that's going to come into more focus later on in the book. Um, But that is, and it's interesting, so the gospel, that's what he says... Is being, uh, what's the wording again? Oh, bearing fruit and growing. It is the gospel that is doing that. It is creation renewed through the good news of Jesus.
1: So there are, like Steve's showing, tremendous uh, connections with what all of Scripture has said. Um, one of the things I, I hope to teach you, we, we've taught you Tove really well. Uh, if you've got your Bible, circle good news or, or gospel. And I want you to write a word out next to it and learn it. It's called besorah. B-E-S-O-R-A-H. Besorah.
0: Sounds like the name of a bull. It does, right?
1: Good news is not the original word that the apostles used. It was besorah. All the time we talk about you know, announcing the victory of the Roman emperor. It's not what they were doing. You've studied this now. Remember when we talked about Ezekiel? God said, there will be a time in which the people gather to a mountain, and I call home all of the Jewish exiles, Ezekiel and everybody else. They're going to come back to me on my holy mountain. And he said at that time that there would be mixed in new people, Remember this, that there would be Gentiles amongst them. So there will be a day where God gathers together his Jewish people and all those that choose to join him. That's the word they were using. This is the fulfillment of what the whole Old Testament story is. It's not just, oh, Jesus did great things and let's tell that story. We have to know not only the word they used, but the word that they originally came from. So, you know gospel. It's a good word. Learn the word behind it, basora. Paul's also using the word we. Is he the queen? You know, we have decided. Why is Paul saying we? Or is Paul saying we? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would believe that about Paul, that God and I were talking the other day, and uh, we decided. But no, Paul. He what? Yeah, he's with Timothy. Timothy's actually writing it. Uh, we'll we'll read that a little bit, and he's like, Shh, "Slow down, David," or "Slow down, Paul." You're, my hand is killing me. Ninety to a hundred words. Have you ever heard a tweet? Um, he's writing this massive thing, but uh, Timothy's writing it. Uh, it's not unusual for people of certain status to dictate their letters. Um, so that's, that's just normal. Roman senators never probably wrote a letter in their life. But uh, there, there's a little bit of a, a theory that we think Paul might have had eyesight problems. Um, just it, It's a theory, we're not sure. Uh, but perhaps he couldn't write as well as he liked. Sometimes he signs his letters really big. Uh, and so that's what we think. You know, maybe... Um, he needed some spectacles. But anyway, uh, the we is Timothy and Paul. Verse 7 Epaphras, Paul's disciple, our much loved co worker, was the one who brought you to the good news, the Basora. He is Christ's faithful servant and is helping us in your place. He is the one who told us about the great love. And again, this is the cornerstone, this is agape, the chosen love. You have chosen Christ and you're choosing to love people. The great love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So that's what holds them together. I mean, there's conflict, there's society, there's different social status, there's different languages, different traditions, but we love each other. And that's what makes it work.
0: So just jot down in your margin there uh, Colossians 4.12. Uh, If you'll just flip over there. There's the the second mention of Epaphras. Uh, So he he is a hometown boy from Colossae. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. So he had come, uh, he had left Colossae, he had made his way to Ephesus and experienced the gospel uh, through Paul's teaching. Became one of Paul's uh, disciples, you might say. Paul sends him back home to share share the gospel and now he is back with Paul in Ephesus and then if you turn over to Philemon 23 that's the the last mention of Epaphras uh, in the New Testament Uh, Philemon 23 Epaphras my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends you greetings Ooh. so we know that Paul is writing uh, Colossians from prison and by the time he gets uh, around to writing Philemon, some people say it's at the same time. Uh, but Epaphras is with him.
1: There's all these fascinating characters like Timothy and Epaphras that we wish we knew more about. We just don't. Um, we can make some wild guesses. They're dangerous. Uh, looking at his name, it's Greek. But if you looked at Paul's name, that's Roman. Paulus would be Roman, not not Jewish. So that tells us a little bit, but not probably as much as we think. But he has been faithful, and he has been the one that brought the gospel, the basora, to to his hometown. And then Paul starts to get Paul in verse nine. We've had all the nice introductions. We said sweet things. Now, so we have continued praying for you, and that's that's an enormous deal. Uh, They are under lots of social pressure. Uh, We're about 16 years before a massive Middle East war, and that's going to really split Jews and Gentiles. So Paul's continued prayers matters. Paul's a legend uh, in this region for his encounter with Jesus. But he's done this. He's praised for them ever since he first heard about them. We continue... Or we ask God to give you a complete understanding of what He wants you to do with your lives. Yes, please. Can He put it in writing? Maybe a picture or two? I'd be very, very thankful. Would you want a complete understanding of what God wants you to do? Would you? (laughs) (laughs) it depends on what it is how many pages is it double spaced um i just you know i shouldn't say this lisa during the summers it's always bad right (laughs) it's always bad um gives my son chore lists did your mom ever do that you know, before I get home, you have to. <laughs> and poor Jason, I'd seem to go, oh, there's two sides. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm sure that God has long lists of things that he hopes, he believes that we will accomplish in life. But how do we really do that? Paul's sort of laying this out there that you have complete understanding of what God wants you to do, complete understanding, complete knowledge. Oh, for Greeks, we're getting into stuff here. Remember, I talked about these Eastern religions, and they are so cool because they have secrets. You get like, to know the secret passwords. If you get initiated, they have secret handshakes. You get to know, in the case of the ISIS cult, ISIS is famous because she knew the name of her father, the sun god, Ra. And that allowed her, knowing his real name, to practice magic. So Paul's going to spill the beans. It's going to be good. It's very Greek here. Um, there is a heresy, although we saw funny videos about heresies today. Um, there's a heresy called Gnosticism that really takes root early in the church, and it's hard to stamp out. And it's, it's around this idea of special knowledge, that the Holy Spirit will give you gnosis knowledge. You have special knowledge. And a lot of the Gnostics will zone in on what Paul initially says, but they don't put it in context. So Paul's sort of laying out there, you're going to get the full knowledge of what you're meant to do. But look how he does this. So I pray that you get complete knowledge of understanding of what he wants you to do. And we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Oh, goody, goody, goody then the way you live will always honor and please the lord and you will continue to do good wait a minute you got to live question yeah
0: hold on hold on i'll get you get your microphone yeah. this seems very reminiscent of how they tempted eve in the garden ooh man yeah, it's very good yeah yes right yes yep. Exactly.
1: You can be like God. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: How did that work out? <sighs> Not very good, right? No.
1: Don't, don't talk to the snakes. So in a sense, Paul has their, their interests, but he really stresses and this knowledge is to affect the way you live. Well that's boring. I mean everybody wants to go to the revelation Bible study so we can learn about how the world ends. But when Revelation really says, hey, you actually should love your neighbor and be nice, pfft, well, that's kind of a letdown. You know, I was hoping for antichrist and fire and bunkers and cool stuff like that. Don't tell me to be nice. Paul is, he starts, I think, grabbing Greek attention and then he'll shift very quickly to Jewish answers. The Jewish concept is that life is holy. What you do in everyday life is worship to God. Sure, you go do special things, but being fruitful, that's right. um, being tov, having children, raising them in the way, that's what God wants. That's tov. That's what makes you good. Not having these secret codes and secret messages. And so, Paul's laying out there. You want complete knowledge? You want to know the secret? I'll tell you the secret. Live a good life, live a righteous life as mentioned in the Torah. Do good here it is, laid out. Be the next generation that passes this on. Be the fruitful. Um, w- when you you do good in Hebrew, you do a mitzvah, a command. It's what God said we were made for, the mitzvahs, the commandments. Uh, so much so in Jesus' day, it was viewed as uh, creating spiritual gold. Remember, Jesus uh, Sort of plays into this idea that there is a treasury in heaven. That when you do righteous and good things, you do mitzvah, you do good, then God keeps that. He loves it, He puts it in a treasury. That's why Jesus will say stuff like, Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths and rust can take it, but store up your treasures in heaven. It's this idea of do good. So you're sitting in the congregation, you're hearing this letter, and the Greeks first hear, full understanding, yes! And then the Jews hear, do good, live your life. And they said, yes! So Paul is is sort of completing the circle. You want understanding? Then live and do good. And this living and doing good, verse 11, uh, well, I should say verse 10, um, all the while you will learn to know, again, Gnosis, God better and better. You want to be close to God? You want to know about God? Mm-hmm. Do righteous things. Do the right thing when it's hard. Love somebody that's unlovable. Forgive something that's unforgivable. That's what Paul's trying to say. We're, we're not going to have secret handshakes and code rings and all of that kind of crazy stuff. We're going to take the teachings that Jesus gave us that Scripture has always taught, and we're going to live them out. Really? Really live them out. We're really going to love each other. We're really going to do the righteous thing in a world that's not righteous.
0: One of Pastor Kurt's favorite professors at seminary, uh, Dr. Ben Witherington III. The third. The third. third. Uh, He said this. He said, information, that's the first part, information without transformation availeth not. If you just if you just kind of sit with that, it's like this this circle that you allow yourself to be transformed in the way you live your life. Then that is going to deepen your knowledge and your understanding of the grace of God that empowers you to do it in the first place. So it's not like this this uh, faith in um, this grace faith versus works thing. That those things are all together. If the grace of God does not compel you. To love people that are unlovable, it, you, you, you're missing out on what God's grace is trying to hang fruit on your tree for them, right? And it's like the, the, some of what we talked about this past Sunday. Why do we have a hard time approaching approaching suffering people or suffering in situations that are suffering? Because dang it, that's going to hurt me. That's going to rub off on me. That suffering is going to be absorbed by me. Yes. That is true. But you've got the fruit on your tree to absorb it and to nourish that person into wholeness as well, right? Because it's from God. Another professor said it in a, in a little bit different way. For those of you uh, who like to ski, you'll get this. He um, so just think about it this way, that you go to the library and check out every book in the library about skiing. And you read the books, and you know it frontward, backward, it's sideways, then you go to Beaver Creek and what happens when you go to Beaver Creek after you read those books?
1: Free trip to the hospital. You
0: fall on your butt. (laughs) Because you actually have to ski to learn to ski. Right? That the ultimate interpretation and this is Bob Mulholland the ultimate interpretation of scripture is always incarnational. When we hear the truth and we live the truth, it is only then that we really know the truth. That's what Paul's getting at. And just notice, he could have said a hundred things about the way in which he prayed for them. Lord, I pray that the Roman that the that the Colossians in, Rome, in the Colossians will be left alone by the Romans. I pray that they will be protected from sickness. I pray you fill in the blank. But this is what he prays for. Because you see, when when that prayer is released and answered in our lives, then the other stuff we can handle. We can handle mean Romans, nasty Romans. We can handle it when we get sick. Because we know who Christ is. And that we are giving that life that we know away to others. So the quickest
1: test for your soul, I believe, and how you're doing with what God wants you to do, is how much of the good you think about, do you actually do? That's the proof of the pudding. Paul is laying down. I think I talked about this a couple Sundays ago, but Christianity's not just here. It's not just here either. That's right. Our, our world gets lost here. Well, I really feel for you. I really, you know, I, I virtual forget that. What God cares about is does this and this combine to do something? Do you actually put your hands and your body in motion? And that's what makes Christianity so different from what's come before. And I think really this is what changes us because we, what we actually do is what we believe. And so this is a beautiful fusion, a Greek, a Jewish, and a lot of scripture.
0: Question Felipe? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. So, uh, how, do you com- how do you like uh, view the uh, philosophers like Socrates and like listening to the internal voices? How is that kind of view in the Christian view of like, is that God? Talking to him and finding that peace at the end of his life to be like the ultimate relaxation about ending of life is is that kind of like the the purpose of life at the end of the
1: thing? yeah it's no like... I, it's, it's a beautiful question and honestly I I skipped over the philosophers and just kind of picked up the mystery of religions but but you're it, I stand corrected because you're you're, you're very right. the The, the philosophy schools, uh, especially amongst the learned, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, uh, even within Judaism, you have Philo um, that are that are having tremendous influences on people. And so, the learned are studying these and asking questions, formulating ways to think uh, about the questions that, that the Torah is trying to ask. And so they're beginning to ask these questions of Paul. So the answer to your question begins at verse 15. Um, and this might be a longer conversation than I think we can have real quick. Uh, and I, I, Paul would say, yes, in part. Um, God spoke uh, to many of the great minds before the revelation of the gospel. Um, but please understand, the church is going to struggle with this for centuries. And there will be struggles within the church. Are we Aristotelian, Or are we more after Plato? Or are more after Socrates? You know, which best encapsulate Christian theology? And it's not an easy, easy fit. Uh, but you're, you're exactly where uh, we're supposed to be, uh, where the Colossians were, and trying to, to figure this out. Um,
0: but but I will add, Felipe, that like when we start asking questions about the meaning, like where do we find the meaning of life and those types of things that those philosophers would have been wrestling with, that really for for Paul, the Old Testament answers that question. And this whole, like, like I talked about earlier when I, when I referenced the garden, the being fruitful and multiplying. When you are fruitful and you are multiplying in the biblical way – that is when you find meaning there has to be it's not you don't find meaning by thinking your way to meaning right you you, th- you you find meaning by understanding what how we're made by god and actually putting that understanding into action meaning cannot be found outside of action it's always connected to
1: have, it have you read a biography of socrates Yeah, so, I mean, you know a little bit about his life, right? And certainly how he dies, right? Is he a good guy? (laughs) Right. Yeah, so Socrates, in essence, is killed by his own hometown. Um, he's poisoned if I'm if I'm remembering with hemlock. Is that right? Um, and exactly as you say, morally he he could have he could have fled. There's still, I think, a degree of separation between the person and his ideas. I mean, his ideas were much bigger than his life. Where Paul would say, "Okay, let's take Jesus." his ideas were huge but so was his example yes and so there there is a, a break uh between those two yeah so. and they didn't like the greeks in egypt i tell you that <laughs> that's my area of expertise that's of the reason i don't really think about it so but really good question really good other questions Well, let's... Can we do verse 11? Yeah. (laughs) So like Steve said, uh, there's lots of things he could have prayed for, but he prays for this kind of developmental circle of understand, live, do good, and know. Verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with the glorious power. So again, um, in Hebrew, this would be the kavod, that God would be there, the Holy Spirit. You would know Jesus. Yes! So that the glorious power... um, that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. Wait a
0: second. Mine says endurance and patience.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which do you need first? Patience or endurance? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. When you burn up your kids burn up your patience, you gotta just endure as they're gone. Uh, 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 Paul, could you pray for my health and victory? God's glorious presence is going to help me be patient? It is a miracle. Uh, Endurance. Christianity, within the course of 400 years, is going to completely dominate the known world. Uh, From Judah through North Africa... I mean, we, we forget today how much North Africa was diehard Christian. Uh, St. Augustine of Hippo, who was one of the early church fathers, is from Africa. Africa becomes hugely important. Egypt, entirely Christian. Um, Ethiopia, even further south, entirely Christian. We, we talked about last week, it also is moving north. It's moving through Syria. Antioch, one of the hallmarks of of Gentile Greek civilization in Asia Minor, is Christian. Turkey, uh, the the seven cities that we're talking about, Laodicea, all of them, um, Ephesus, cradle of Christianity. Greece, on up into Europe, Rome itself, the Roman peninsula, all the way to Spain, the, the Mediterranean world, their own world, is becoming Christian. 400 years is a blink of the eye for the ancient world. And they started from a group of 11 scared disciples and the new guy um, from Jesus' message. And it's, it's, it's been incredible. Um, they didn't fight their way. They didn't have insurrections against the Romans. They didn't assassinate Roman emperors. Uh, it was patience and it was endurance. And fruitfulness. One person, no matter what standing they were, high or low, told their friends and family about Christ, and they believed, and the next believed. So whether you're African or uh, Roman, Latin, German, Gaul, Egyptian, uh, Syrian, uh, Ionian uh, from from Greece, um, remember what what are the uh, um, Colossae? Phrygians, you got to love Jesus if you're a Phrygian, um, Phrygian, Phrygian, um, they were some weird people, but they're accepting the, the gospel. So I think there is, there is great power still left um, and, and God's plan for our world. And we still find Christians on every continent, um, all over our world. It's the largest religion by far. So we haven't slowed down too much, just a little bit in America. So, any last questions? All right, let's pray. Gracious Lord our God, we give you thanks that you still use your people to write letters. Help us tonight, O Lord, to be mindful that it's so much easier for us to pick up our phone and send a text or send an email or just call them. But we pray that we do so with the same intention, the same fruitfulness. The same passion for the gospel that Paul was able to. Words are life. Words create. Words can also do a lot of damage, cause a lot of pain. So help us, O Lord, to truly master what you have said is the evilest part of our body, our tongue. Help us to use it for your kingdom. To be able to say we are those that know because we live it, we do it. We see every day the difference living a righteous life with Christ's example can make. Help our nation, we continue to pray, that we would not be as the Romans of old, looking for a new God, but be able to be those that turn back to the old ways, to take the ancient path, the path that led us to be a city on a hill, a path that has led us to be able to raise our head high. Also, Lord, we continue to pray for the people of Ukraine, who we know this hour even even now call on your name as the bombs fall and the rockets fly into their cities. Protect them, O oh Lord, and be with the powerless as only you can. We pray that David has the strength to continue to push back Goliath, that somehow as we Stand on the precipice of this fearful war and that you would find a way for peace to prevail, for the good not to be crushed, for those that can do something not to turn a blind eye. Help Ukraine. We pray even that you help Russia to not follow evil, to not give themselves over to the darker impulses. In all this, we know there is a place in your kingdom for both Russian and Ukrainian. And we pray all realize it, as the conflict is avoided. Help us. We need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Good night.